Murphy, and welcome back to the Film Reel cast. Uh, I'm, my name is James. We are, if you like mullets, inept police forces, really interesting South African accents with good hair. You've come to the right place. Guys, hi. <laughs> How are you doing? You're all right, mate. <laughs> yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. It's the, the, uh, the, it's the, it's the triangle, not the quadrilateral. I'm sorry. Paul's not with us, but we've got Stu and we've got Neil. Yes, you know, I, I, I honestly wondered where you were going when you first said about inept police force, police forces. I wondered where you were going with that line. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I mean that, that, that's a podcast in itself potentially. But there we go. <laughs> what is he going to say? <laughs> is he going to? No, 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 never, never. <laughs> so, um, how's it going, guys? Absolutely wonderful and wonderful. I you know, I'm really excited that we're actually going to do. All the Lethal Weapon films. We've been talking about this for ages and ages, and now it's just a great time to be able to do them. I know. I, t- I tell you what, I've I've only watched one a couple of times, and I forgot when I watched this one. I forgot how much I enjoyed number two. Bear in mind, for me, I think number two. I haven't rewatched three and four yet. Could be the best one. Oh. Oh. Really? Well, do, yeah. What did you guys give number one? We gave it eight. Eight out of ten. Eight out of ten. Mm. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah, it's caught pretty well. I mean, I'm really surprised you say that, Jay. Honestly. Well, I, I enjoy them all. I mean, don't get me wrong, right? You're looking probably at a what is it? Out of five out of ten, like a like a, a one point difference between one and four. You know, if that makes any sense, they're so close to each other anyway. Yeah. You know. So. Oh. I, I mean, if I if I ranking the diehards, we all know number four is the best. So, <laughs> Jesus! Oh my God! I know. Tell me about it. So. <laughs> me, you can't even joke about that, honestly. <laughs> it's shocking. I know, I know, they are, aren't they? I think Dem. I was looking at a roast on YouTube. Demi Moore did a roast on Bruce Willis. I think it was obviously a night, and she basically said, "You can tell. You can tell when it went down because he was married to me during Die Hard One, Two, and Three, and he wasn't when he was four. And I thought, wow, true though, isn't Ouch. it? Yeah. I know. Four wasn't yeah. bad. Four wasn't bad. It wasn't. It wasn't one and two. But it, but wasn't, it wasn't. But it wasn't Die Hard, was it? I mean, you could argue the third one wasn't, but it was still the die. Uh, he didn't feel like John McClane in number four, and even more so in the in, in the last and the most recent one. But, oh, what was what the was one with the um, the like the the guy from Jeepers Creepers? What one was that? Jeepers Creepers. Oh, that was number four. Then number five was his son, wasn't it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. Five was pants, but, yeah. 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 I mean, mean, yeah, I'll be honest. No one's spoiled it, but, I mean, I enjoyed all of these films. One, two, three, and four. And and when you're looking at them, I don't... You could argue there's a weak one, but there's not an inherently bad one as a a la Die Hard, you know? Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. I'd watch all the Die Hard films, though, you know? I really don't mind. I'd watch them all. I... I'm just sad. Oh, yeah, but I know. But one, two, and three, I really like. And then four's like, eh. And then five is basically like food poisoning at the end of your dessert. You know, the end of your. <laughs> dessert, isn't it? Jesus you know, Christ! It's gone okay. The dessert was so, a bit crap. Stars are main and everything, and sides were good. You know, one, two, and three. Dessert, eh, average. And then they have the cheese and crackers, and that's where you get your food poisoning for number five. That's, See, what I, I, that's for me. I preferred four over three. Really? Yeah. 
I just thought they were wait, sort of running out of ideas with three because it was a revenge story, wasn't it? It was, they tried to link it with number number one, didn't they? I thought yeah. I thought it was quite interesting, and but yeah, that's that's really interesting. So I would have to three. put that on the list then as a oh yeah, Die Hard with a Vengeance, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I look through um, the grossing films of 1989 because mm-hmm. the 80s are always good. We've, we've always gone on about the 80s, and yeah. number one was Batman, which which. Well. Kind of, Surprised oh, wow. me because I hate that film. I really can't. No, say that you can't say that, surely. I don't like it. Stu. No, I've said before. Sure. I don't like any of the um, the old Batman films. I just don't like the setting. I don't like the comic bookness. Like it's just, I don't like it. At all. <sighs> I like him. I like him, Neil. Oh, number one, Batman and Batman Returns were absolutely brilliant. Oh, yes, they were. They were fantastic. They re, It was the rebirth of Batman after the rubbish 60s and 70s <laughs> bloody yes. thing of wham, slap, bang, pow. It's I know. Just, yeah. But hey, we all, you know, we all like our different things, don't we? So. Exactly. But then you've got, um, what is it, Indiana Jones uh, oh, and the God. Last Crusade. Yeah. Um, uh, number three is Lethal Weapon 2. Number four is Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, wow. uh, five is Rain Man. Six is that Look Who's Talking. Absolutely awful. Why is that? Seven, I, I, like I don't like those films. I think they're terrible films. They really are just dog shit. Um, <laughs> 2 is 7. Back to the Future 2 is number 8. Parenthood. And then it's uh, Dead Poet Society. Oh, that's I mean, the one with Robin Williams, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, a few of those films, we've got reviews on. I mean, Batman um, was 251 million. Unbelievable. Back oh, wow. Days, that's a huge amount. But oh, yeah, so good. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we found your John Wick, haven't we? That's it. Batman's awesome. Oh, no, that's Street Fighter, isn't it? That's Sorry. Street- Oh, yeah. Street, Street Fighter is awesome. Street Fighter is better than John Wick 2, anyway. Oh, oh God. Fake. Oh, John Wick 2 is good soon as well. So. Yeah. No, I'm not being worried. I'd rather be constipated, push out a poo, than push you back up again than what John Wick do again. <laughs> that's, 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 I mean, that's what I feel about John Wick 2. And this is why we've missed you, Jay. No? Oh, the one-liners. The one-liners. Sorry, no sorry. like you. Blow. Oh, well. That's right. <laughs> okay, right. Lethal Weapon 2, directed by Richard Donner. Um, I didn't know quite... that. I was I really surprised. I completely did not know that until it came up. Didn't you? Mm. you I thought you were a massive Donner fan. Um, I don't I, mean I, the chicken or sheesh variety. No, no. No, no honestly, I was really... I was, I was, I mean, I'm not surprised because I think Richard Donner is really good, but I, no, I completely had no idea that, that was, um, it, it was Richard Donner. Sorry to interrupt the street. That's I didn't. okay. Uh, the writers is Jeremy Boom, um, or the screenplay was by him, and Shane Black is back again. Uh, obviously, it stars Mel Gibson as Martin Riggs, Danny Glover as Roger Murtaugh. Uh, we've got Joe Pesky this time as Leo Getz, which we'll talk about in great depth. Um, and fantastic, I just being married to a South African and having in laws, brother in laws, everything South African, <laughs> I hear the strong accents all the time. I mean, you've got Josh uh, Auckland who plays. Arjun Rudd, and you've got Irish Derek O'Connor, who plays um, <laughs> Peter Vorstead. Patsy Kenzie is a whole podcast on her own, who plays oh, Van Den Haas. 
and uh, Steve Kahn, who plays Captain Murphy again, and the psychologist is exactly the same woman. Uh, I mean, the box office, 28 million. Opening weekend, 20. Grossed, 147 Ooh. million. Nice. Worldwide, 227 million. So you knew they were going to come back with another one. But at the time, I've got to admit, and I made notes on this, I saw this at the cinema. I think I was 15 when this came out. And at the time, it was a strong belief, and the story was that Mel Gibson would die at the end of this. Really? Yeah. And I went into it thinking he'd die. And, you know, I was honestly fucking choked up. And it sounds really sad. But, I mean, this will obviously contain plot spoilers, and it will contain a mild language, probably from myself, no doubt, mostly. But I was really, really upset going into this, thinking that he'd die, because I enjoyed the first one so much. Well, obviously, plot spoilers, but the original script was for Riggs to be killed off. Oh, it's terrible, oh. what the fucking original, what they were going to do, isn't it? Absolutely yeah. awful. But, yeah, apparently they uh, they didn't like that idea. And they got Shane Black, basically, after he wrote it, turned around and said that he was shit at writing and, you know, and that, that his writing sucked and everything else like that. So they rewrote it. So. I think he said that because they wanted him to go, no, 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 actually, you're really good. We'll keep it in there. Yeah. We'll keep it in the film. But it actually yeah. backfired we'll and went, yeah, you're right, it's shit. We'll cut it out. <laughs> we'll get someone else. <laughs> <laughs> but they wanted, one of the ideas bounced around was Riggs dies. And at the end of it, they play a video of Riggs talking to Murtar about how much he enjoyed working with him. I mean, oh, imagine no. that. It would no. have been awful. Yeah, no, I'm glad they didn't go that way. No. <laughs> well, I've got um, a plot. Shall I read the plot out for those who are now on planet Earth who don't know what it's about? Go on. Go. Okay, it's just a very, very brief one. Obviously, it does contain spoilers, and we will be talking about the whole film. Um, but Riggs and Murtar, uh, at it again in this sequel, um, carried on from the 1997, or 1987, sorry, classic. When a red car crashes, whilst they're chasing it, they discover... The boot of the car is full of South African Krugerrands. The boss assigns men to protect Leo Getz um, to get them out of the way of the South African gang that are after them. Then it reveals that they've been doing business with the same guy they're protecting, which is a massive coincidence, uh, which involves the death of Riggs' wife and his current girlfriend and the entire homicide squad uh, until the South Africans are brought to justice. And that is the easiest way to explain the plot it's not complicated but there's so many coincidences in this film isn't there it's unbelievable it's so convenient <laughs> yeah yeah it is <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're not watching it for the plot though are you no i didn't care i didn't care at all <laughs> no, no no totally it's just only when you realize like when you watch it for for this kind of uh, this mm. sake that you think oh my god the same guy that Leo gets, and for some reason, I mean, we'll talk about it later on. I'm yeah. kind of getting ahead because uh, get very... you're getting ahead. Oh my god! I'm, I'm actually, <laughs> I it. Yes. <laughs> Mate, I want. I want to know how you roll. <laughs> <laughs> you're a bad man. Sorry, I, I am a okay. bad man. I do apologise. <laughs> okay, the car chase at the start of this. What did you guys think? They're chasing the red BMW, aren't they? Oh, it's brilliant, isn't it? It's uh, Murtar's wife's new car, and he's just not wanting to drive it fast or do anything. It's it's hilarious because it starts very differently from the first <laughs> yeah. one. The first uh, one with a Christmas song, it's all quite slow, and this one's straight in the action, isn't it? From yeah, the I don't know how many years on this is from the last one. I'm not too sure. 
don't know. I mean, the, the... I, I'm, I'm, what, two years maybe? Is that too much for us? I'm only saying that because the films are two years apart. They don't really say. So I'm assuming it's a given that maybe it's two mm. years because they've been, they definitely seem like they've been partners for longer than just the end of the last film. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'd say you're pretty much spot on on that one. I think it's also good that everyone, like they do, everyone listens to the chase. And then they start betting on that Riggs will be the one to catch up. Then they <laughs> yeah. He's not driving. And they're in his Mrs. Station wagon. And it's like, now bollocks to that. I didn't realise it. I mean, it's... Would you... Yeah. I don't know, obviously, a lot about kind of the policing side of things, whether they would take their own car. You know, it just seems a, a strange thing to do. I always wonder that, if they would actually take their own car and how it's viewed in America... If people are like, that would never happen, it's bollocks. <laughs> well, I don't think they do it over here, unless every single cop that drives a, a, a box of Astra in white. With Battenberg. But yeah, I mean, that is a weird concept, isn't it? Taking your, you know, just going in patrol with my wife's brand new shitty car. <laughs> Yeah. But, but I mean, you say that the car itself was almost a character in the film, though, because it starts off brand mm. new, and towards the end, it's completely like ruined. But it, but um, interestingly, though, there, there is one scene towards the end where, the, where he's tried to fix it a tiny bit because the light's completely out, and they fix the light, but it just kind of gets worse and worse, and more things happen to the car as we go along. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean the, the chase scene. It, I think almost immediately it appears that they have a much bigger budget than they did in the first film, just by looking at that first chase scene. For me. Um, with with everything that happened um, and knowing what else is to come, you know. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, yeah, and, and 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 I love their conversation. This is my wife's car and stuff. And then you know you don't have enough room when he, when he's going on at the intersection, you know, on like, the bridge <laughs> yeah. bit. And he, he scrapes it and goes, "Yeah, you're right. I didn't." Which I thought was quite funny. <laughs> I mean, I've seen Studio in his Honda Jazz before, so there we go. <laughs> I can't. I can't talk. <laughs> I know I've got I've got I've got I've got a family Hyundai Matrix people carrier. It's, uh, it's not exactly it's not exactly a pimp mobile. I mean, I I, I have tried beeping at um, traffic lights at women, hoping that they're going to keep their heels off and chase me, but it never works. No, so. <laughs> they catch you in that, mate. Don't worry about it. <laughs> no, but they would they would they would catch you that and then beat the shit out of me for being a sex pest. I'd imagine. But there we go. But yeah, no, 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 you're right though. It's really interesting in terms of um. It begins with a bang, as Neil was saying, completely opposite, completely opposite from what I remember from the first film, and it and it gets you straight into it. They're straight into the plot, aren't they? Straight away. Yeah. Yeah. He also yeah. likes doing his running, because in the first bit, doesn't he? He jumps out the car and chases mm. it. It's that man, I said it in the last one. That man can run. It's ridiculous oh, how fast he can run. I know. In any other film, I was convinced he was going after John Connor in Terminator Two. I mean, it was great, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> So we did say who's got the, the who's got the most memorable run in films. Mine was uh, mine was Tom Cruise for the Mission Impossible films. Mm. And what's yours, Jay? Well, yeah, you're right. I was uh, literally the minute you said memorable one, it was Tom Cruise. A close second would be the T1000 for T2. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. But I think also, yeah, but that, that's also with the music and everything, and that mechanical music he's got when he's running. Uh, oh, towards, superb. Yeah. That's what about awesome. you, Neil? Well, it has to be Riggs, doesn't it? With his just his pure stamina. <laughs> It's just ridiculous. It just doesn't isn't stop. No, you know. no. But yeah, it's it's strange that they're kind of they're chasing one of the there's two chases, isn't there? And mm. you're immediately introduced. Obviously, we know that um, Riggs and Murtaugh, but you've got 
more of the department play such a bigger role in this, don't they, throughout yes. all the investigation. And and it does work. Uh, and, I, and I kind of made notes about this, um, that it kind of ups the stakes in the film, that the more you get to know them, and it's not just a threat to Riggs and Murtaugh, which increases all the way through the film that we'll talk about. It's to everyone in it, which you don't, you never got in the first one. It was purely just Riggs and Murtaugh. But this one, I think it's a really good idea bringing in all of like the, uh, whatever they, homicide or robbery or whatever department. But everyone's involved. I think that really helps the film move along, especially when the shit hits the fan a bit later on. Yeah, you're definitely more invested in it as a as a group, aren't you? It's nice because yeah. they've got their camaraderie and they have a laugh and everything else like that. So no, I think it was, a, it was a good touch to have that. Because like you say, in the first one, it ends with just two of them going after all these mercenaries, if you see what I mean. But it doesn't lead on that way with this one. Yeah, definitely. And I was looking because the car crashes that they're chasing the BMW and the boot is full of Cougarand. And I didn't really know much about Cougaran and and I looked and apparently it just says it was first minted in 1967 and it was produced um, by the Rand refinery in South Africa and uh, its names compound for the for the former president of South Africa and it accounted for 90% of the global gold coin market oh wow yeah back in 1980 Um, and then obviously they just kind of scrapped it and and that was it. But I mean, my wife remembers having like the Cougar Range. She said it was a really heavy coin and solid gold. So it was, I just didn't know anything about it. But through this and through my lovely wife, if you listen to this, if not through her, but then, um, <laughs> yeah. and then kind of, I know <laughs> she don't listen to this. So. <laughs> The foreshadow in this film is amazing, isn't it? It's so, so good. The next thing you get is where Riggs is in his, like, back in the police department and he's got a straitjacket on. Where they get that from, I do not know. But they're betting if he can get out of a straitjacket. And again, this brings the police department in and all the colleagues are having a joke and a bet and everything like that. And it's just so much foreshadow. There is loads in this film. It's so, so funny. They may as well have foreshadow written on the straitjacket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean there, there is a lot of foreshadowing and um uh uh smoking the the these will kill these will kill you in the end you've got i know we'll get to it the uh the advert as well that's quite funny that's yeah, already foreshadowing sure. but it's mentioned it's mentioned a lot throughout the film but I, I completely agree with what both you mentioned about uh compared to the first one it's basically a whole team um and they've brought more characters in albeit yes they are like you know you know barely side characters but they've given them enough just enough personality for you to differentiate between the, between them and to a certain extent kind of care about them because you see mm-hmm. how they all work as a team even though we don't spend too much time with each of them individually you know yeah definitely definitely and and i love the continuity in this film that and we spoke about it last time it's like the same family members it's the same psychiatrist yeah. it's the same police captain and it's just great because you love all of these characters. The the way they pick on the psychiatrist, and she's just a likable character. She's not in it much, just a few lines. If it isn't Mrs. Sigmund Fraud. My door is always open, Sergeant. Well, 
I think we ought to keep this on a professional level, don't you, Doc? Why the hell do you do this to yourself, Riggs? Well, who else could I do it to? I mean, none of them will let me. And besides, I need the money. But she's just good to have on screen. I think that's great with the whole family, the captain and... Well, what well, you say the rest of the department, but they all get fucking murdered, but it's just, <laughs> it's just really, it works really well having the same people. Yeah, I think the rigs flirting with the, uh, the psychiatrist is brilliant in the straitjacket bit. I thought that was a that was brilliant to touch. He's trying to get, he get his, his dislocates his shoulders and he's get out the straitjacket and wins the money. Yeah. And she's going, I'm really worried about you or something like that. And he's like, oh, don't have to worry about me and asking her out on a date. And I thought it was brilliant. It just shows off the cheek, real cheeky side of his character. Mm. Yeah, he's a, a, he's just fucking great. And he does his fucking mentalizing this loads like he mm. did in the last one. It was really, really funny. But I mean, the shoulder popping back in, that it just, that must be so fucking painful. I don't know. I don't know anyone who's actually dislocated their shoulder, but from I know someone who popped their knee out and they said that Ooh. was one of the most painful things they've ever had. So, but again, it's just lovely foreshadow. And you get onto Rianne's commercial, which is <laughs> just, you knew that was doomed, didn't you? That oh, they made yeah. such a big deal out of Myrtle's daughters. Finally going to be on TV. You got everyone over. And it's just great that the uh, the advert turns out to be one for Johnny's. It's just so good. <laughs> I, I love that bit in the cop station where he's going, oh, he's, she's going to be on TV tonight. He's oh, well, listen up, everybody. Riggs is trying to tell you. He's like, shut up, shut up. Don't say yeah. anything. And oh, it's just brilliant. That's, oh. And then the advert that came on, and obviously it's for Johnny's, and he's got literally the whole family round. Yeah. Class. Just class. Brilliant. The builder's there watching as well, and even oh, he comes up. Yeah. yeah, I liked it. She made me want to go out and buy rubbers right now. No. Yeah, the carpenter, <laughs> isn't it? That's it, yeah. Because that actually and... was a rehearsal. That oh, was... really? Yeah. So that he said in the rehearsal, she made me want to go out and buy rubbers right now. And then Danny Glover <laughs> spat out the sandwich across the room. It was all in the rehearsal. Oh, wow. So they kept it in there. Because it was just something that, yeah, it just the reaction so well, of it. It, it worked, yeah. And another interesting fact that apparently $10,000 of the budget for this film came from that con- that condom company. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, apparently. Right. Product placement kind of thing. Yeah. Ten grand for the product, product placement. placement for a condom. Yeah. Oh, my God. Jesus. I didn't, I didn't even know they were kind of real Johnnies, you know what I mean? Well, apparently no. they are. <laughs> so there you go. All right. Well, you, go. you learn something every day. I mean, uh, I don't actually have any use for them anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> That's an useless fact, but it might win you a pub quiz one day. You, just... <laughs> you might win you a pub quiz <laughs> quiz one day. Well, what kind of uh, that is going to be an interesting question, though, isn't it? How to phrase that at a pub quiz? Yeah, science and nature. I'm sure you could think of a way, James. I'll, 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 I'll let you know by the time we do need the weapon three. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, oh. And they do highlight the fact that uh, Myrtle's getting his house built because obviously that comes into it later on. And that's when you get the the, the, the nail gun. Yes. And, which is so cool because when I watched this, I thought nail guns must be fucking awesome. They're like proper guns. You know what I mean? I don't know if they're actually like that in real life. Or actually do fire, whether you've got to just put pressure on the air i don't know 
I but think you do, that's but just, you that, wouldn't want to get shot with one. No, Jesus Christ. But again, that's huge foreshadow, isn't it? They love to do mm. that. Remember yeah. this, folks? It's a nail gun. Chekhov's gun, that was, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> it oh, is brilliant. indeed, yeah. But they go from there, and obviously you know that there's going to be some payback, or some payoff, rather, from when everyone, he knows all his colleagues in the nick, have seen his daughter <laughs> playing on the beach and about to meet some geezer and they're about to be shagged. And that's when he looks around at Riggs and he's like, why did you tell everyone? Why did you do that? And he's just a dad who's destroyed. It is so, so good. Oh, that's but brilliant. He could have used that. I wonder if he's still got the video from uh, Amanda Hunsaker in the shower. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, that would be in his archive. Yeah, I wonder if he would have kept that. That's interesting. But you go on from there, and that's this is when you get the the introductions, like, and you get the proper proper accent. And I don't know what they are. When the guy who gets away driving a BMW goes to the um, the councillor's office or the consul, whatever they call it, and it's uh, he goes to meet Arjun Rudd and uh, Peter Forstead, and that's the accents are just fucking comical <laughs> it is just unbelievable they must have they must have laughed you give a whole new meaning to the word drop cloth mr Rock. certain policemen in this city have become an intolerable nuisance they are obviously onto us again how do you propose to handle the situation warn them off it's my experience because they surely they can't have believed that these accents are just our South African accents. I mean, it's amazing. You know, I, I always say this. I don't understand. I, it's obviously a Hollywood thing. I just don't get it. Why there must be people in South Africa that act, you know, they can't not have any actors. Why do no. they have to put people in there, like you say, from Ireland and wherever else it might be, trying to do an accent <laughs> that they clearly can't do? It just doesn't make any sense to me. No. It's terrible, but <laughs> well, you, you say that I, 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 the accents, yes, it's really hard to, to, you can't defend that, can you? Um, but um, um, Argent, Mr. Rudd, the guy that plays him, I think if you try and look past the accent, I think he actually plays quite a good bad guy. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. definitely yeah. bad guy. Yeah, but you kind of need to look past the accent. Yeah, it reminded me of um, Alan Partridge's South African accent. <laughs> You say tomato. <laughs> I say potato. You say potato. It's season two. It's absolutely brilliant. Mm. But yeah, it's just it was just terrible. It's just so funny. I mean, I love it when people try and do accents. It must annoy the Americans when you get English actors going over there mm. and they do the accents. And it's just uh, they must think, well, why don't there's so many good actors around? Why get an English guy to do an American accent? But Again, the next thing you get more foreshadow, the pen. And it's a case of the, the family have obviously been together for a long time. You, you can see Riggs is at home going around the kitchen and shit like that. And he's quite comfortable. But for some reason, he's never spoken about, I think it's Vicky, his wife. And he, he says about getting the pen. And when I was told that she was killed, it was the first thing that I saw and stuff like that. And again, it's massive foreshadow, but it's done really well. Mel Gibson seems to do sad 
really well. I, I think personally, in my opinion, other people might think he's a terrible actor, but I think he does sad. He's got those sad little puppy eyes that he does it so well. <laughs> he's got quite yes. a good range though, hasn't he, Mel? He's done all sorts of films. He's done really serious stuff, like, you know, historical sort of stuff. And then, you know, he's done comedy, granted, not very well. Mm. Like, the films weren't particularly good. But he, he, I think he can put his hand to most things, to be honest. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But he explains that he was working, he was going to meet his wife, and they were, she was at a restaurant waiting, and he didn't go there. Um, because of his work commitment, and then he found out that on the way home, she had a uh, a car crash, and that's how she died. So, I wonder whether that will play into things later on, gents. I'm really not too sure. Are you? Oh, what with the foreshadow in this film? No, not at all. <laughs> Prior to that, though, we uh, hands the guy that he was running away in the BMW gets shot, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, he and gets I like killed. Plastic cheating. Yeah, just I love the fact he walks in and um, uh, what's his name, the bad guy Arden, Arjun, yeah. don't worry, we're redecorating. Brilliant! It's like, all right, yeah, no worry, I've really fucked up. There's plastic sheets all over the floor, but I'm yeah. sure you're redecorating. It's absolutely fine. Yeah, it looks like just... you're redecorating. Yeah, with yeah. Planes. <laughs> it's just, so he gets shot in the head. But I thought that was quite. I I think you're right though, James. I think the Arjun was. A really good bad guy but i quite i liked um peter forster as well by Derek o'connor i thought he was very good yeah as the bad yeah. guy he uh, he was really menacing he, he looked like you wouldn't mess with him yeah he looks old but he's quite nimble for an old guy isn't he mm. yeah i don't know how old he would have been in this film you know how old is he when was he born I mean, he, he's really good. When he does his martial arts at the end of it, I mean, he, he, looks, yeah. he looks in shape. Reminded me of James when he grew up his wrestling phase. Oh, definitely. But there's, no one was as fit as James, though, was there, to be fair. He, he was born in 1941, to be fair to him. So, fair play to him. He, he did all right. But, yeah, no, it led on to the story, didn't it, with the pen. And like you said in the last one, it his wife plays a massive part in this and it was interesting how obviously they spoke about the pen and how he sort of dealt with his wife's passing and everything else like that it was quite well done and i did like the fact that murtar just walks in go oh, got a pen oh yeah she found one the other day just yeah. to sort of bring the comic sort of element back to it yeah exactly yeah they kind of they, they don't want to ground you too much on these things do they mm, no definitely no but um and from there you go to the scene don't you at Murtar's house because of they know that they're investigating um they are kind of investigating them and they're the two officers involved in the police chase how they knew that I honestly don't know but they want to send a uh, like a warning message so they yes. break in and this was quite scary to be honest I mean I always find home invasion films pretty terrifying because it is so realistic and they break into his house, tie up his family. Um, they don't hurt any of them, but they threaten them just to keep their noses out. And it's so funny. And for me, watching this, it's quite scary. But as soon as they start talking, it's quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> but he can't pick illusion, up the accent. It? That's what amazes me. <laughs> You're wondering what we've done to them, huh? You know, if I was you, I'd be going nuts right now. 
I'd be going fucking bananas. Want to know what we've done? But I don't understand why you can't pick up a South African accent from it, you know? Well, yeah, no, it's, it's later on he goes, you know, they talk about it, don't they, the accents? And he goes, oh, yeah, he talks in a really weird way. And it's like everyone knows what South African sounds like. There's no way you wouldn't know that that, all right, granted they couldn't speak the language, they didn't have a very good version of it because they weren't South African. But you know what I mean? It's You could have, yeah. you knew it was South African. Yeah, I wonder why, because now, obviously, there's huge South African communities over, like, uh, especially down here in London, that there's loads of them about, kind of like Wimbledon and places like that. And I wonder, back in 89, whether there just wasn't a lot of South Africans around, and that's maybe. why they chose that accent, because maybe people wouldn't be able to pick up on it. Maybe. Maybe you could be right there. I don't know. But after that, you go back to the police department, and again, they bring in the whole of the department, kind of taking the piss out of what happened and talking about it. And they get assigned to look after uh, Joe Pesky. But, and I'm really surprised that, I mean, around this time, I, he wasn't really, really well known as he was for being in Goodfellas and in Casino and things like that. But w- what do you think of Joe Pesci's character, Leo Getz? What do you think? Dave? I think... Uh... I think he's a bit, he's good. He's a bit of um, because the first film seemed a lot more serious than this one, doesn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah, and he was he was a good bit of comic relief. I liked his character, but having said that, I can see how people can get quite annoyed with him. But I really liked him, and he was a nice bit of comic relief. And he, I felt he had quite a good chemistry with the other two. Um, yeah, it builds, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I, and I quite I, I quite I quite enjoyed it. The, the two of them throwing. When uh, all, three, all three of them were in a scene together, and um, and and you end up feeling sorry for him as well when he gets beaten up properly, you know, you know towards the end, and he doesn't say a thing, doesn't he? Doesn't say a thing, gives him nothing, and fair play to the character. And I think Joe 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 Pesci, or was it my other half? What did she say? Because I, I mentioned Lethal Weapon too, and she calls him. She she said, "Oh, is that the one with Joe Pesky?" And which, which, which <laughs> made me. <laughs> so I've got yeah, I know, I know Joe Pesky. So um, yeah, but uh, sorry, sorry, Michelle, I had to mention that. <laughs> yeah, and I thought I thought he was a really good. Uh, it was really good. Now, I, I, how they get him to appear in, the, in I think the other Lethal Weapons, albeit briefly, is nice as well. But for this one, yeah, best performance for him. I thought it was really really good. Do you think on Joe Pesci's career, this is his kind of pinnacle? This is his peak. <laughs> no, that'll be that'll be Home Alone, wouldn't it? Oh really? No, definitely. Yeah. Do you think so? Yeah, Home Alone, yeah. definitely. Wow, Home Alone. that's what he's most known for, I guess, isn't he? Yeah, he's going to be most known. He's most known for Home Alone, surely. And then I'd I'd I'd, I'd say the uh, that gangster one. I forgot the name now. What was it you mentioned? So the I'd Irishman. Say, I'd, well, yeah. I'd say Goodfellas and Casino. Yeah. I'd say for me, he's as soon as I think of Joe Pesci, I think absolute fucking nutter in Goodfellas. You know, yeah, of course that's in that, isn't he? Of course. instantly what I think of because okay. he's so good in that. Then could we could we then say that Home Alone is probably his most iconic character? But if you're looking at that most iconic scene and lines, you probably write for Goodfellas. Mm. Everyone, wrote. but I think as a character and impact in a film, it, for me, it's still have to be Home Alone. But that scene, yes, that one in Goodfellas. I mean, you just need to Google it or put it on YouTube, and you'll probably get you know so many hits with the. Uh, yeah, we're watching it definitely. But yeah, there's a great scene in Casino where 
he's got a pen and uh, someone takes a piss out of him. He'd start stabbing the guy in the throat with a pen just because he makes a comment and shoots the guy in the foot as well. It's just, as you say, there's so many iconic scenes. I think it could be like a generational thing of of what you know him for. Because, I mean, he's brilliant in Home Alone. Absolutely. I mean, they're both so good. Harry and Marv are just... Yeah. Mm. No one else could play their roles, you know. They're nice. so good. But, yeah, I think it's a real tough one for, for what he's kind of going to be known for. I'd love oh. to... To well, you say that, Steve. I did have a question for both of you, and I'm, apologies if you've already mentioned it. But uh, Mel Gibson, what's his most iconic role? Is it this, or is it Mad Max? We spoke about this, didn't we? Yeah, yeah we did. Yeah. What did, guys, what did you guys say? Test my mind now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> talking crap shit in the last one. Um, we said that. Um, well, I, I said that. I knew him for the Mad Max films, but I didn't particularly like the Mad yeah. Max films because I was too yeah. young to appreciate them, and I, I don't, so I don't know why they've got their cult status. To be honest, um, and I'd, for me, it'll be Lethal Weapon, um, probably Braveheart at the same time as well. But yeah, oh yeah, I think it's Braveheart just because of the age. When like you like you said, Stu, Mad Max was a bit before our time. Yeah. in that sense, and but I. You know, the first sort of films I would remember growing up seeing was was The Patriot and Braveheart. Uh, yeah, so I think Braveheart was probably his biggest role. Ah, oh, okay. That's it. Uh, so uh, that, that goes to think, for me, I was going to say Lethal Weapon. But that yeah, intergenerational I'd, thing then, isn't I'd it? I'd go Lethal Weapon. Yeah. yeah. I'd say Lethal Weapon um, because that's obviously my era. I was 15 when I saw Lethal Weapon 2, so... Um, but yeah, it's really, really tricky because it's just generational, and I think that's yeah. that's what makes it so interesting. But they go to the hotel room to look after Leo, and you realise that I think it's half a billion that he was laundering, wasn't it? Yeah. And he's now grassing up, and it's weird because I haven't seen this film for a long time, and for some reason, and I think it just goes back to the mafia side of things. I thought that he was um, like embezzling money or laundering money for the mafia. And he just, by mistake, got caught up in this South African gang as well. I completely forgot that by pure coincidence and chance to get them away, which which doesn't make sense, to get them away, like Murtar and Riggs, from the South Africans, then make them look after Leo, who was then laundering money for exactly the same South Africans. <laughs> <laughs> Some good yeah. police work. They hadn't pieced that together. <laughs> It just no. seems like a huge coincidence and fuck up at the same time. <laughs> see, uh, see, I did say inept, didn't I, at the beginning of the bloody podcast? Yeah, well, there you go. Because uh, you get there that you go. the trope baddie who walks up to the waiter and yeah. his outfit fits. It always amazes me when you get in these films, <laughs> any film, when they kill a guard or shit like that and their clothes fit. I think there was one film that in Die Hard, that was it where he actually tries to put his shoes on and the guy has shoes which are like size six or some shit yeah. like that. And the, the clothes just don't fit, which is great. But he goes in the room, they don't search him at all, and then he pulls a gun out. And fair play on Leo, he fights the geezer off for about five, six seconds until um, Mel Gibson and uh, Danny Glover actually intervene. Yeah, no, that's the thing. They, they're there to protect him and they completely screw up, don't they? Yes. Like, yeah. so busy arguing about stuff and eating his uh, room service 
<laughs> this guy gets the drop on Pesci, and the um, yeah, he throws him out. The, well, he go he wrestles him only for Riggs to knock them both out of the window into the swimming pool. Oh, it's brilliant, isn't it? I mean, did you think they did that, or think they were dummies, or? <laughs> I'd imagine they were dummies. That's what I think so. And you know the building they see next to it? That's Nakatomi Plaza. Is it really? Yeah. Wow. Before is, uh... or after? Before or after, though? Oh, that's tricky. Before. Before, yeah. Or was it? Or after? I don't know. It must have been know. after. must have been after, because they, the they were released the same year, weren't they? Die Hard and Lethal Weapon, the original. I would... Uh, yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah so they were arguing the over roles, weren't they? Yes, they nearly had each other's roles, didn't they? They did indeed. Yeah. What I loved about this scene, though, is when he's in the swimming pool and he thinks that he's punching the bad guy in the face, and it's actually uh, <laughs> Leo. Oh, that was good. Yeah, <laughs> punching the shit out of him. It's so so good, isn't it? It really is funny. He's smashing him up whilst the actual bad is getting away. <laughs> <laughs> But it's just brilliant, and it, they always manage, and that's what I love about these. Out of any scene, any kind of scene where they're almost dead or they're risk injury, that they take the piss out of each other, and it's always kept really light-hearted. Through mm. or throughout any kind of amount of tension, they just have a joke and take the piss. It's brilliant. It's so it so funny. That's the thing. It's very light-hearted film in many places for a, a really. Uh, obviously, it goes on, doesn't it? but over a really sort of serious political issue. You yeah. see what I mean? Because the film was all around a really horrible thing that was happening yeah. for a long, long time. And But obviously, because we alluded to, didn't we, in the last one, is the sense of because they got death threats over the T-shirt and slogans that were in the first one in relation to the apartheid, that this is why they made this one. And this, oh, is, right. why, this is why Shane Black wrote the script or the story for this one because he received death threats for having those images in the first film. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's that's where this was born from. And even though it's obviously a really, really serious issue, they keep the comedy in it fantastically. Yeah, this doesn't do the South African tourist board uh, any kind of... <laughs> Doesn't smell any glory no, at all, does it? Not really? Not at all. No. Jesus. I mean, how? When did you last watch this film for this review? I, I watched it again yesterday because I hadn't seen it in so long. And right. What about you, it, Jay? About a decade and a half ago, if I'm honest. Did you understand? Because I am fucking stupid. And when Leo was sitting at the table talking to Mel Gibson no, and Danny Glover no, about how to launder money. I still, and I've watched this again and again, I still don't understand how he's talking stupid. about. No, I didn't. I didn't. I had to, I, I played it back again. I, I, I did legit try to concentrate so much that a little bit of pee came out and I gave up, if I'm honest. It was <laughs> just so confusing for me. Went so, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're clearly both thick. So there we go. Hey, I didn't get it either. It oh, look at that. Oh, that's, that makes me happy. Well, I'm not going to be laundering any money anytime soon. No, I'm so glad you didn't get it. Because it reminded me of the like, the gatekeeper conversation in The Matrix. <laughs> where I've seen that so many times and I just don't understand it. It's not on my bucket list to understand that scene. Right, see, I, can, I, can, I can explain that to you. But that's another time. 
<laughs> can you honestly? Yeah, I can. Yeah, because I've seen like about three or four videos about it. Because I, I, I was like, what the hell is this about? And there's so many, I've seen so many videos explaining that scene. Uh, I, I don't get it. I honestly, I've tried. Oh. I, I'd love to have a conversation with someone that makes me sound intelligent that I actually understand it. But no, well, well there, there you go, Stuart. Yes, yeah, so your wish is my command. Uh, we'll, we'll have a podcast about it for twenty minutes, shall we? That's the Gatekeeper podcast. That's just genius. We can do please. that. Um, please. <laughs> It'll be longer than twenty minutes. I tell you. Yeah, mostly me and you just going. What? Oh, no, no. That Say that again. the next scene is they for some reason they decide to take leo to the house on stilts where he talks about the interview for money laundering and it's a really weird i know it's like a plot driver but it's a really weird choice to to take someone they're protecting and again it's the coincidence it's the south africans and it's the same south africans that are linked to the death of riggs originally his wife but why did they do that? Why did they take him to the people that they're meant to be protecting him or, or keeping him away from, rather, you know? I guess they didn't know it was those people at the time. It all sort of gets linked together a bit more, doesn't it, with this bit? But, yeah, you, you wouldn't take him and just say, sit in the car, <laughs> mate. Sit, just, no, sit in the car. We'll sort this out. It's probably, it could be full of bad guys. It's fine. But it's a bizarre choice. And they just can't let it go, though, can they? That's the whole point with these two. They're like two dogs with a bone. They just no, yeah. Well, once they've got it in them, that's it. They're like, right, I'm solving this. I don't care. I've been given this idiot to look after. I'm still doing it. Sort yeah. of thing. It's a federal case. It's a federal witness, and they decide <laughs> we're going to solve it for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we can do this. Fuck the FBI. Yeah. We're better than them guys. But they're kind of responsible for their own. They're kind of downfall in a way, aren't they? Because they go there, then they start kicking the ass of of like the guards in the house. They see that people are counting money in there and and everything else. They've got guns. And so they get shot at. And it's just as well that they don't. I don't think they do on this time. Mm. Actually, no, no, they actually, they don't shoot anyone at the house. No. But no. one of the guys does get killed. The same guy from the hotel, uh, who was a waiter who ran off, he actually escapes. And that leads to... A really good car chase, I, I think, anyway, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a really good. Uh, yeah, it's like all the action in this film. It's really good. It's really well played out. A bit over the, you know, it's not shoot 'em up bad, but it's it's fun. Oh, it's like in a the comic sense. Book. Yeah, again with Mel because he does a lot of running and chases him down to jump on the back of the um the truck that he's jumped in. Yeah, I'd and love then, him to be asthmatic, Mel Gibson, in this. <laughs> it'll be so good after he climbs on the back of the car then takes a puff of his blue inhaler <laughs> of his blue inhaler. you're under arrest wheeze yeah <laughs> but it's nice to see um like practical like, like stunts like that it's not special effects and it's really good because he's on the back of this kind of truck that's towing this car you've got um, Danny Glover and Joe Pesci <laughs> behind them, uh, and they're kind of, and you get the banter between both of them, which is really good. And I, I, I don't know which one of you said it, but the chemistry is, it just feels so natural, doesn't it? He fits in really well. Mm. I, I think I don't know if that's a mixture of his acting or the script or both, but just fits in really well. But it's just, 
it's nice to see proper effects where it's not fucking green screened all the time, you know? Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, what's interesting, I was thinking about, you mentioned that and you mentioned the car chase too. And I, I was thinking 80s and 90s films, I think still to this day, arguably have the best car chases of all movies. Um, and you look at modern films and you think of really memorable car chases after, for example, you know, the mid 2000s. Yeah. I'm really, really struggling of really memorable car chases in films. A few. Maybe one from, I think, Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, like, which, which was really good. But I can't think of that many. I could be wrong. Please correct me if I am. I can't think of too many memorable car chases. Like, fast they and are the in other films. You? Yeah, I was going to say Fast and Furious, but as that went on... That's in the title. Um, uh, but, yeah, you're right. Okay, Fast and the Furious. But yeah, but, yeah, I think as that went on... Sorry, Neil. Um, no, CGI take, took over, didn't it? Yeah. Like you're saying about... But what's the most recent, really, really... Now, I'm not saying memorable. I mean, really good, solid car chase. Because there's lots of them in many films. Um, possibly, I, I mean, one memorable one, uh, probably John Wick 3. Is that the one where he gets on the horse? Yes, that's right, yeah. That's I'm glad you to slag the film off then, I have to say. No, no, I like that <laughs> bit, but I'm trying to think. That's probably the most... Yeah. That's the one in most recent memory. That's fairly recent. But before that, I can't really think of one on the top of my head outside, you know, you know like the, the, these classic 80s and 90s action films. Yeah, yeah. I suppose. Night, uh, yeah, Terminator 2. I think that, was, awesome. that had a, a good one with the truck chase, like the lorry full of the... Um, oh, God, my brain. Uh, oh, the know, helicopter. Yeah. Yeah, the helicopter and stuff like that. That's really good. Uh, yeah, uh, I think you're right. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, and the first one with the motorcycle <clears> as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, both of them, for me, will be in the top ten of all-time car chases. Uh, yeah, definitely. definitely. I mean, you've got Speed as well, which is um, one continuous chase film. But you're right. I mean, you've got um, the French Connection, Ronin, and Bullet. And I think also the, um, the Italian job and the Blues Brothers. Again, they're all, mm. you say, yeah. they're all old films. The Blues Brothers yeah. is just classic car chasing. But, um, I mean, the French Connection's got a, such a good car chasing as well. It's really, really but good. But they're all old films, aren't they? Yeah. And as you say, mm. the practical effects, um, just, it's more realistic. It just seems to be, it's just more tense, more at stake. And you appreciate the driving of yeah. just how good it is. I mean, being a Honda Jazz driver, I know power. <laughs> you know yeah, power. Yeah, yeah, I'm always jealous when I see you getting that car and drive yeah. off. 1.1. 1.1. <laughs> exactly. Is it really? That's not yeah. bad. You yeah, drive it really... like it's a four litre, mate, don't you worry. Drive it like you stole it. Four litre orange carton, that's about it. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, oh, God, I imagine that. You, you, you and Neil chasing somebody. Blue lights going on. Going, oh, God, no, my wife needs this car tonight. You've got to be careful, Neil. <laughs> Uh, it would take a while because the lo actual locks on my doors don't work. I have to do it from the boot. So, oh my god, yeah, it takes a while, and we can't have music because someone stuck some two pence coins in my CD player, so that doesn't work either. <laughs> but the seats are really comfortable, and the mileage is good. So, there you go. But um, the uh, car chase leads to um, rigs hanging off the front of it. Kind of like mm. Indiana Jones style. Um, and he breaks. And there's a car coming towards him with surfboards. And you don't see the blood in this. Uh, I think this must be a 15 rating, isn't it? It must be. It must be, yeah. It is, it is. Yeah, and the, the surfboard 
flies out. It's a really good stunt, a really original idea. Goes yeah. through the windscreen, and you can imagine just takes the head off um, or replaces the head of the South African baddie who uh, was the waiter and kills him. And they go back to the house. And again, as we said before, the whole team, this whole homicide squad go back. That It's not um, just uniformed police officers. It's just his team who have like interact with the baddies as well. And that's when he meets um, both Arjun uh, Rudd and Peter Vorstead. Mm. And he mentions there's that um, kind of the foreshadow again of when he calls him Riggs. And he goes, what, Martin Riggs? And it's just so funny. And if <laughs> I'm surprised, <laughs> go, what did you say? Everybody take it easy. Especially you, Riggs. Riggs? You Martin Riggs? Yeah, the Chicago Riggses. What's your name? What's your name? Pierre. Pierre von Worsch. Oh, fuck, I'll just call you Adolf. Say it again. But so you know that he knows who he is. So, and you kind of think there's going to be some payoff for that. But it's, it's yeah. a good scene. It's a good action scene. And again, you get the kind of, you can tell just how fucking horrible um, Rudd is, who plays a really horrible guy, doesn't he? Oh, he's, he's very good in this. He's very believable. Both of those two together, you just know they're nasty bastards. Don't you? Yeah. Absolutely. They are. Because um, this is when it all comes out, doesn't it? That they, They're untouchable. Yeah. Yeah. Diplomatic immunity. Right at the end of this, she's holding it on like God. a dickhead. He's very much like the Emperor, isn't he? From um... Josh Auckland was in the on oh, the podcast then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you learn that um, Arjun Rudd is South African Minister um, for Diplomatic Affairs, and the rest of the other people are just kind of hangers-on. But it must be crazy to have a diplomatic immunity where you just can't be held to account for anything. And we had that recent case. Uh, where this woman allegedly killed a cyclist, um, and she was uh, her husband was a diplomat. She lied, um, allegedly again, and went back to America. And there was she couldn't be extradited mm-hmm. to be heard for the court case because of uh, um, being a diplomat or a wife of a diplomat. I mean, it's just incredible the rules that apply that they're just free to do anything. It's it's incredible, isn't it? It's quite scary, isn't it? Yeah, really. I mean, it's it's just a, an unbelievable rule that you can literally, with that status, just do anything you want, and you don't have to answer any questions, and you can just hide under the, your diplomatic immunity. It's it's just crazy. It it's really needs to be changed. That rule, but I don't know if I ever come across a diplomat. So I I don't think we roll in the same circles, mate. I must be honest. No, I don't think we do. And we get introduced. Patsy Kensit, unbelievable. Oh my god. There's there's so much. She's a podcast on herself, honestly. Uh, oh. yeah. Nice hair though. Yeah. <laughs> it is nice hair. I'm sorry. And I mentioned that in the WhatsApp chat. She does it's, have nice hair. Does. <laughs> it's unbelievable. She plays Rika van der Haas. No, 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 no. She plays a plank of wood. <laughs> <laughs> she's terribly wet and the damsel in distress and you get the instant chemistry between her and um, Mel Gibson yeah Riggs but just as soon as she starts talking it's so funny <laughs> oh dear me they must have laughed at her accent oh, there's no point shopping for the entire week 
No? Why not? I never know what I'll be hungry for from one day to the next. She must have had blackmail evidence on... Oh, it must have been on uh, Richard Donner or Shane Black yeah. to get this role. So I think when they yeah. probably heard her talk, they went, we know why she's here. <laughs> well, uh, I liked her. I thought she was really good. You like her hair. That's, I, that's I do like it. her hair. Uh, but, but anyway, she, she would have improved John Wick too, I'm just saying. Um, oh, she's got no... <laughs> no, the hate uh, you get for <laughs> saying shit like that. <laughs> Um, yeah, she wasn't. She, she wasn't. She wasn't the best. She was just there to be a pretty girl, wasn't she? Really, um, and and obviously give Riggs an even. Well, did he, he didn't really need a reason to get back at them, did he? At the end, but it gave him another reason to. Um, yeah, it was yeah. a bit of a, a dopey reason too. I mean, I've got that written down later. But you mm. see, when she gets taken home, and um, Rudd kind of strokes her face and says to her that we're picked on by these people and they don't understand the shit we're going through and they take it out on us. It kind of makes out that they're victims. But the look on his face, he Creep. looks like a fucking... He looks like a nutter, doesn't he? Oh, yes, yeah. He, <clears throat> he wants a bit. Do you think, because I wondered that, is he stroking her face in a threatening way um, that if you do anything, I'll hurt you? Or does he fancy her? Or is it kind of like... It's just a really creepy psychotic way that he strokes her face not there's no affection there is there i think it's a bit of everything to be honest i think it's like you're saying it's it's a warning but a creepy we're gonna do all sorts of shit to you if you say anything sort of scenario because initially i thought oh he just you know he's a dirty old man he wants a bit of patsy but yeah (laughs) Once a bit, Patsy. Oh, <laughs> I didn't think I didn't think I'd hear that today. <laughs> and I'd be interested to know what you think of the next bit. When the the chemistry in the car, when you've got Myrtle Riggs and uh, Gets, they're talking about the food from the driving, and you get uh, pesky moaning about like they're mucking up the order. Don't ever go up to the drive-thru, okay? Always walk up to the counter. You know why? Okay, okay, okay. Okay. They fuck you at the drive-thru, okay? They fuck you at the drive-thru. They know you're going to be miles away before you find out you got fucked, okay? They know you're not going to turn around and go back. So they don't care who gets fucked. Oh, Leo gets. Okay, sure. I don't give a fuck. I'm not eating this tuna, okay? Did you think that was too much or, or do you think it was just funny? I mean, what did you think of that? Oh, it's true. He was stating facts as far as I'm concerned. He was calling out Subway. He it's funny, I think, yeah, I, I was. Been, yeah, I would have driving from McDonald's and I thought it was a vegetarian deluxe wrap and it was a McChicken wrap and I was quite upset. Yeah, we were upsetting for you, isn't it, actually? Is, yes, I went back and uh, yeah, I said this is not very good. Did you go back? So, I went back, yeah, I turned around and went bloody back. I was angry. Did You You didn't get more food, did you? I got more food, yeah. So you got a phlegm burger in the end then? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a bit more salty than it should have been. It'll be like that. I wasn't phlegm then. They're in the restaurant and the guy, um, he has that French bread and he, he says it's not hot enough and the guy apologises. He's really nice, the uh, the waiter is. And he takes it back into the kitchen and he licks both sides and puts it down the front of his pants and keeps it down there for about five minutes. <laughs> 
and eats it out. <laughs> eats it up, and the geezer eats it, and it's just so funny. That's why I'll, I'll never complain about food. Honestly. No, hell no. N- never complain about food. Well, I don't think. I mean, I worked at Pizza Hut and Domino's. I never, I've never done anything like that. Or, or but you're not like nice. Yeah, you're a nice the only, guy. The, the only thing I ever did was some guy was being a bit rude and he wanted he was extra jalapeno. So basically, I put so many jalapenos on this pizza you couldn't see any cheese. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was really upset. It was like it was like three layers of pure jalapenos. I like, that <laughs> couldn't finish it. He couldn't finish it, and I'm sure his ass is still sore to this day. And there we go. <laughs> Sorry about that, but uh, yeah. But normally, no, I've not. I've not seen it. But yeah, I'm sure it does, it does happen, though, doesn't it? So. Oh God, yeah. Oh God. Um, you then get quick... reeks turning up everywhere that Rudd is, and just yeah. stirring. Really, he's not helping the cause, is he? No, he's <laughs> just pestering. He's harassing him. Yeah. Yes. But prior to all this, they they uh, the cops his his mates uh, Murtagh's mates all get him back, don't they, for the advert? Do you remember that bit was brilliant? Yeah. When they're yeah. sat in the office and they're all hiding his desk, and when he comes, at, they all move, and there's a tree or like a plant all just covered in condoms. Yeah. It's oh, so, I thought so that was funny. absolutely brilliant. But yeah, yeah sorry, that's the kind of tangent. thing you can imagine them doing, can't you? Yeah, definitely. And I like the fact that rather than him being a grumpy twat about it, he actually found it funny. Yeah. He started laughing rather than being, you know, really serious about it. Yeah. But yeah, sorry, tangent. Oh, no, no. I mean, kind of the next bit is the, the toilet scene. I really like this. Such a, a funny oh, yeah. thing to do. I would have fallen for it. If I would have been on there, I mean, basically what happens is they can't find where Murtar is. Riggs goes to the house and it turns out that He's been on the toilet for, what, 18 hours? Because he was pinching one out. And then he looked at the toilet paper and it's got, boom, you're dead. For me, my natural reaction would be to stand up, to think, like, what's going on? And I would be dead. But fair play, he sits there and he's got a bomb behind the toilet seat uh, or behind the toilet. And if he moves, it's going to go off. And that's the kind of dilemma. And it's lovely the way he says, look, just don't make a big deal out of it. Just, just us you know, <laughs> yeah. the next thing yeah. you've got the police you've got the fire brigade ambulance the uh, the press are there it's absolutely brilliant oh. it's so funny i would do that to both of you two <laughs> and i have no doubt either <laughs> no no press in the room he would wouldn't he fucking Did you think Martel flush <laughs> yeah i think so he did I don't it. think he's the kind no. of guy that could sit there. But but would you be too scared to flush in case it sets it off? That's, no, the that's thing. true. That's is, true. It, is it the flush that sets it off? You wouldn't know, would you? That's true. Maybe it was just floating there the entire time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't have wiped or flushed. So <laughs> well, you, you wouldn't, would you? No, because no. to wipe, you kind of got to get off the, the pot a tiny bit. You can't. I mean, I mean, you know, <laughs> my, my ass is so big I couldn't stick my hand between the bum and the the seat to get down but I have to lift up <laughs> I mean don't you how do you wipe your bum with you you've you got to stand up a bit don't you <laughs> and just thank you everyone for joining us in the wiping podcast yeah this, this <laughs> I'm just saying sound no 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 I'm not I'm not I'm not, I'm not having this mate you both of you you both got to stand up to wipe your ass a bit don't yeah. you no you don't stand up think... to wipe your ass no it's kind of like a sort of a crouch but not quite a squat but sort of I don't know no, you, so. you just kind of Lean to one side a bit. I'll do you that. Crouch. Do you get off the toilet when you want no, your bum? No, I don't get off the toilet. I kind of... 
off the toilet. I'm on there and I stand up and then I do lean a tiny bit and I use my right hand to. to, to he wipe. straddles the bath at this point. I think he's. Well, to be fair, it would make it easier because <laughs> when you think about it, it parts your cheeks more, so you get a cleaner wipe, wouldn't you? I guess. You, what do you mean you stand up? I don't. I don't get it. No, I don't stand up properly. I, I stand up probably more than you do, by the sounds of it. Uh, so. No, I've got one cheek constantly on the seat. You've got one cheek. I see. I don't do that. I don't. I. I well, even I, during. I, during the wipe. Are we talking about? Right. <laughs> well, he said it then. He's just constantly, he's like living on the edge when he's actually doing one. He's just perched. Yeah. Yeah, it's like speed. I've always put on there. <laughs> I can't put too much pressure on the toilet seat. There might be a bum, a bum under it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There we go. There we go. Oh, well. Great. This is why we don't charge for this podcast. I've said it many times, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, we'll have to start paying people soon. I think, yeah, it's sponsored by Andrex or something like that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, well these toilet papers are available. Yeah, yeah. they got a condom <laughs> company doing it, so why not? There's <laughs> <laughs> hope. But I like this scene. What did you guys think of the... Uh, not suspense, is it? You know nothing's going to happen, so there's no suspense. But they do just make this a funny moment, don't they? It's got the touching side, then the funny yeah. side of it. Well, I think it's one of the most iconic scenes from Lethal Weapon 2. I mean, when you said we're doing Lethal Weapon 2, Hand on Heart, first thing I thought about was this scene. Despite not having watched it for a decade and a half, I remember this scene the most. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, I liked it. It's Again, it's they're, they're very good at making a very serious thing funny. Mm. And the way it all starts, where the fact that he um, Riggs goes back to his place by the beach and all of his stuff's outside, and he walks in... And Leo's inside cleaning it. He's like, "What the fuck are you doing here?" It's <laughs> like, <laughs> so, "What are you here?" And it, everything's tidied up, and he's, you know, and it's brilliant. And then obviously it all leads to it. But I thought it was very funny. It's very good. Yeah, I, I just think it's great. And it's you don't know how they're going to get out of it. And that's when I watched it. I just couldn't work out how they're going to get him off the toilet so he survives. And it's great because. He pulls him off the seat, um, and then they both try to jump in the bath. And then you get, again, his car's parked outside, and the toilet lands and smashes his windscreen. Yeah, again. <laughs> it's a really funny scene. I just... And, it, and before that, when the doctor comes in, and she's talking about... She's obviously used to kind of um, situations of tenseness and yeah. uh, distress, and she can stomach anything. And then she sees him on the toilet... And then she changes her mind. It's so funny. It really is. Again, they just break that tension by just a piss take. <laughs> Definitely. But was Leo? Leo wasn't. Was he there at that point? Yeah, he was, wasn't he? Did he no, go with him? I can't remember now. I don't think he does. No, because he leaves him there. He leaves him there. I think he leaves him because he gets a phone call. Leaves him there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's not at the house, no. No, I think he stays at the caravan, doesn't he? Yeah, I'm sure he does. Yeah, I just, I couldn't remember. But it, it then goes to, they kind of, both sides are like up in the ante against each other, the, the police and the uh, like the South Africans. And it, it's great. And this is purely, and it's so funny, even when I watch this again, when Leo goes to the, the embassy and talks about he wants to get one of his friends into South Africa. And the wow. guy there, with the terrible accent, um, 
is encouraging him, saying it's a brilliant idea. Oh, yeah. And then you've got Danny Glover walks around the corner, and obviously, due to his ethnicity, they don't want it there. The apartheid's um, still happening, which they're trying to banish. And he, when he says that you're black, and when Leo turns around, <laughs> he looks at me and goes, yes, you are. Yeah. <laughs> seriousness instantly breaks that tension. Uh, just yeah. the comedy, the way that line's delivered, it's so good. How you doing? I think there must be some mistake. Say what? Sir, listen to your friend here. He knows what he's talking about. I don't think you really want to go to South Africa. Why not? Because you're black. You are. He is. Yeah, that is. That is, that was good. But they, they do that all the time, and that's the distraction we learn, don't we? Because Riggs wants to break in um, to Rudd's office, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good menacing scene. I thought there was, I thought someone was going to die. I don't think anyone does die, but I thought someone was going to die during that scene. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I, I don't know why. I just Obviously not Mel Gibson, but I just didn't know how it was going to play out, how he was going to get out of the office. Um, which was full of obviously all the kind of the, uh, the South African goons, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was quite yeah. clever the way they did this because when he walks into the office, you've obviously got that massive fish tank on the wall, haven't you? Yeah. Mm. And he, um, as he walks past it, he taps the glass almost ah. like it's how thick is this sort of thing. It was quite, I thought it was quite, so it sort of led onto it. Yeah, it's really good. It's a really good. Just visually, it looks really good. But the tank just explodes. But you see, yeah. just again, that um, old uh, Peter Vorstead really wants to do something. That oh, yeah. you know, in, from that moment, that Vorstead's going to be like the nemesis against Riggs, don't you? Yeah. And it's yeah. just so good. And clearly, Rudd, being the racist that he is, is going to play up against um, Danny Glover's character up against Murtagh. Yeah, and he wants Murtagh, doesn't he? Oh, <laughs> definitely, definitely. And it, it's just done well. Again, you've got the tension of something's going to happen. And as I say, I thought someone was going to die. And bang, the fish tank explodes. And you've got the comedy moment there. And they, it's just so well done. I don't know if this is down to Donna or whether this is down to... It sounds like it's not down to Shane Black's writing, but <laughs> it's just done well. And then he bumps into Patsy Kensit and she comes out in the lift. And she, you just can't understand what she says a lot of the time. <laughs> it's just yeah. brilliant. It's so quiet. <laughs> she speaks so quietly. And I don't know if that's whether to try and hide the fact that she can't do an accent. Yeah. I don't know. But it's so softly spoken. You are almost, yeah, turning your ear towards the TV, aren't you? What, <laughs> what was that? Because at this point, she was, a, I think she was more of a, a singer, wasn't she, than an actress? I have no idea what she's known yeah, for. Yeah, because one of the most songs her... is playing in this. Oh, really? No. Yeah, I think it's when they're at the uh, uh, Mel Gibson's caravan and when he's oh. um, like there tidying up and everything, or when Leo's tidying up, the song in the background that's playing is uh, her song because she was, she, she was mildly famous, you know what I mean? And then she, I think she was famous for being married to one of the Gallagher brothers, wasn't she? 
from Oasis. She was, didn't she? Yeah, she was. I don't know if that was after or before. I have no idea. Yeah. That'd have been after. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. definitely after, wouldn't it? Oasis, 90s, aren't they? Um, Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for not calling it the noughties, because I hate that. The noughties? Yeah. Yeah, I can't stand it. What would you call it then? The 90s. No, you got the 90s. Well, Oasis was late 90s, weren't they? Yeah. Oasis, yeah, 96, 95, 97 maybe. Yeah, I just don't like the noughties term. It just, someone used that today, and I thought with you, Jay, honestly. Well, I I wouldn't, but what what else would you call it, the noughties? Well, it's not, I just call it the 90s. Double O's? No, no, but it's not the 90s. You've You've got the 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s. You've got the noughties and you've got the 2010s. Oh my God, whose child is that? That's, that's, that's my son that's about to get beaten. No, I'm joking. I'll just say. <laughs> if I Please suddenly say. get crying now, <laughs> has he actually been... Yeah, no. Alexander Kelly, enough, please. <laughs> yeah. Done. People pay thousands to listen to this, you know? <laughs> unbelievable. Yes, no, no beating took place. I don't, I, not, I don't agree with that. Just saying, anyone actually listening, country <laughs> service can knock you around my house. Um, <laughs> I, know, I listen to the fit wheel cast and you beat your children. <laughs> <laughs> not, not a good look, is it? Um, I'll edit it out. You can smack him all you want, mate. I'll edit it out. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> that so was a joke. Social services, everyone, that was a joke. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I love the fact we are. It's a joke, really. It's a joke, really. Um, <laughs> No, yeah, well, no, I've asked them to be quiet because uh, Michelle, the other half, she's, she's um, she, she got the uh, she's not feeling very well. She got the COVID jab today as well. Um, oh, bless. Yeah, so she, yeah, so she she she's gone to bed, and they normally go to bed about half eight. So I put them to bed in the hope that they're going to be so far so good. Actually, that's the only time they've been noisy. So that's very good, mate. It's very good. Yeah, there we uh, go. Uh, so back to the, to the film. <laughs> the uh, again, I think. Kenzit ruins it. She really does. The scene in the um, supermarket where Riggs is clearly stalking her. Because it can't be mm-hmm. coincidence that he bumps into her, is it? No, no certainly not. And he now wants a bit of Patsy. Yeah, he he's probably got a proper horn on for that. And um, they're that conversation, which is it's just it's very weak. She, I think, for me, she's like the worst part of this. And it's, it's obvious. It doesn't take a lot. But they go back and they... Um, they start going at it, don't they? Yes. Yes. And from there, you then get, which really shocked me, which I know I remember this in the cinema when I was very, very surprised that they kind of went this far, is from there, um, you get the kind of the cut scenes of um, old Peter von, von Steer going around killing people. And I really didn't expect his partner uh, not, the, not his partner, his colleague, um, who's doing those kind of sit-ups upside down to get shot in the head. I was really, really surprised. I don't know of any other film where they actually go around, they take out the whole department, apart from the two main stars. Yeah, no, it's sort uh, of... Yeah, sorry, sorry James. Go no, ahead. no, go on. No, no I think, yeah, at first I thought the, uh, the, the, that one guy, because I, I took my eyes off it, I thought, oh, God, they shot, they, they shot you know, with his partner. Um because uh, I only saw the, uh, like, uh, literally, like, doing the shit up. I didn't see the beginning of it, so I had to rewind it. I was like, this is, I didn't remember this. But um, it was really, it was really shocking. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're shoot, shooting everyone. And you know at some point, you're going to come up against, obviously, the, you, know, you know, the two big guns in Lethal Weapon. 
our two our two main characters, um, and you're just you're just waiting for a bit. But yeah, and it showed you how ruthless, obviously, this guy is. And I think it really does help with when with 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 the payoff. I mean, you've spent time with this team. You've seen that they're, they're bonding. You've seen they've got a family. Like quite yes, it is a bit tropey, but with the with the woman that, that dies on their diving board. Um, Obviously, it goes through her family, doesn't it? A picture of her family and stuff. Yeah, I'll be yeah. out in a minute. And then I don't know quite how the bomb got set off, though. They're jumping on the diving board. Yeah. Or just... Another pressure one, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but then they would have had to know she wanted to swim. Maybe they've so... been watching them. That's the whole thing, isn't it? They're oh, yeah, really dangerous. Yeah, they've true. probably been watching them for days. To... Hence why they've all figured out that they're all going to be in one place for the poker game. And the whole oh, yeah, place gets blown up, doesn't it? And, uh, but... and, thanks, to, and thanks to Leo... Um, <laughs> um, matey boy misses the Murtoff, misses the po- misses the pokey game. He does. Yeah, purely just by luck, wasn't it? And they, that's when because they're in a hotel room, aren't they? With that, um, which is qu- quite nice that they don't spend all of their time with Gets. That would be a bit weird. But yeah, they're in a hotel room, and then they start talking about the Albavarden, and that's mentioned because uh, it was mentioned earlier. Yeah. And he, he gets realizes, it off the notepad, doesn't he? That's right, yeah, his office, yeah. Um, So he goes back to uh, Myrtle's house to look at some fishing videos, because, again, he's got that boat, and that kind of name rings a bell. And that's when you get the payoff from the um, the nail gun, where he's there, and you know that Getz is going to get taken. It's so bloody obvious that he is going to get kidnapped, and he does by the South Africans. But I like the... The use of the nail gun. It's great seeing the nail gun shoot that guy in the head. And the oh, other yeah. That was, yeah. Done. That was so done good. very well, wasn't it? Yeah. It's just... It's such a menacing, cool weapon to have, the nail gun. I love it. I think it's just brilliant. There's that foreshadowing again, isn't it, from earlier with the whole... Yeah. They, you know, they loved... He loved that nail gun. So, it oh, was quite... Yeah. Works so, so well. Um, and then Riggs and... Um, Rika van der Haas uh, having a little bit of nookie in their caravan and then you get the helicopters come and take them out and I couldn't it's just always weird that when you say it's like just a trope in these films and it always makes you chuckle that when you get like the like the B players like the rest of his homicide team it's such a definite surefire way that they're going to die the the bomb in the stereo definitely going to die. There's no other way around it. The sh- obviously the guy shooting in the head and the, the diving board. But then they do a real p- pissy way. They send a couple of goons to Murtar's house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shoot yeah. Guns at Fuck knows how he survived the caravan shooting. But they don't go to blow his car. Don't go to blow his caravan up or the house. It's yeah. so weird, isn't it? That it is odd. After all that effort. They messed the two most important people up. Yes. What makes me laugh is, again, like in the first one, and there's it, this happens at the start as, as well, with the helicopters with silencers on them. Because at the very beginning, a helicopter pops up, doesn't it? Yes. And you don't hear it until it pops up beyond this bridge. And then he's got these two massive, what look like, you know, proper army type helicopters coming towards his caravan no other buildings around got cliffs which the sound be bouncing off of and like it takes the dog to come in and go shit the dog's inside that's not right something's gonna happen 
But oh, it's so tropey. It's hilarious. <laughs> it, it is, yeah. It is so convenient. I was so glad the dog didn't die after they shot that yeah. caravan up. That just, I think everyone just loves the animals, and seeing a dog die will be I mean, John Wick again. It's just yeah. one of yeah, the best sad. films ever made. It just, isn't it, James? That first one is, yeah. Best series of films ever. Uh, exactly, exactly. Oh, no, no. Or why did Riggs, after obviously they've been chased and everything else, why did they, or why did he drop Patsy Kensit back at her home address? That was the stupid really thing me. you could yeah. do. So, for me, as much as obviously you guys just like her character. I'm gonna say that's probably for me. That's the worst bit of the film because that, that I can I can I can I can kind of like forgive everything else, and I can for kind of kind of forgive their characters and being a bit silly with Leo at the beginning, allowing him to be uh, to be attacked. But after that just happened, that's kind of like unforgivable, and that needed like a scene we write. In hindsight, I think you were almost better off having her killed at a caravan somehow, shot rather than because you rather than. Yeah. The way she died in hind, yeah, because that was such a stupid decision, and it was so out of character for Riggs. Bear in mind what happened and how much he liked this girl. Yeah, completely. It was yeah, completely agree with you. So bloody stupid, really, really dopey. But um, they, you know that something's happened because she's dropped. Um, he drops her off, and then as he he's kind of skipping because he's had a really good day, he's had a shag and everything else. That they knock him out, um, and you know that. It's just not going to end well. Um, and that's when you get the scene that you get all the payoff, the pen, the wife conversation and everything else. And uh, the mention of knowing him that um, Vorstead says discloses to him when he's on the back, um, like a, uh, a jetty or something like that, isn't it? Like a pier. Yeah, pier. Mm. yeah, and he's in, again, like a straight jacket. We may have seen this before in the film already. Um, and he says that he was responsible for his wife's death. And that... He's just he kind of brags about it, doesn't he? He really yeah. winds him up, and he's really nasty that he killed his wife, and basically a massive middle finger up to you, and that enrages uh, Riggs, who then gets kicked into the sea. But thankfully, he can escape from a straitjacket because he proved that earlier. Foreshadow, just oh yes, yeah, brings it all together, doesn't it? But no, that that the scene where he's obviously telling him that he was supposed to actually kill him. But when he she, he pulled back the hair, it found out it was his wife and stuff. Mm. The, the look of pleasure on his face is just, you know, he, very believable, oh. nasty bastard. I'm the guy that changed the course of your life, man. Four years ago, Riggs, when he was a knock down at Long Beach, you were getting too close to us, so he put a contract out on you. I handled it myself. Drove your car right off the fucking road, remember? No, of course you weren't driving, were you? You can't imagine the surprise. I pulled back this matted mop of blood-soaked hair to see this woman's face. Evil, yeah. Yeah, pure And he evil. finds that Kenzie is, um, has been chucked in prior and that she's dead. Were you surprised about that? Did you give a shit or not really? I was surprised. I think it was probably her best acting. Um... <laughs> Looking dead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, 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 that's one of the lines of the podcast, that isn't it? <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> 
She's doing well though. I say she's yeah, she's not brilliant. Well. Yeah, but um, no, I was surprised. I, I thought you know that he'd, she would have been taken back to dirty old pervy Arjun, who obviously wanted a bit of Patsy earlier or whatever, and he was you know she'd fight, they'd find her, and he'd rescue her and all this sort of stuff. So yeah, I was a bit surprised that she was down there. Because she didn't have to die, did she? No. Because the payoff would have been the wife's death, and that would yes. have been enough. Oh, definitely. I mean, it was like a token. He, I know he liked her, and they'd had a very nice evening of fornication. But you don't, you know, I'm not being funny. He's not, like, head over heels in love with her or anything like that, is he? Mm. He'd be, he'd be upset, and it's horrible, don't get me wrong, but it's not in the same league as... His wife, his wife, who he's been having yeah. mental health issues over for years due to her being killed. So I don't I think it's this, needed. Yeah, whether this comes down to the fact that they were the two alternative endings that they were going to script his death, that mm. whether they kind of thought we'll kill her because it's kind of it's definite. Then she's actually gone. It, it doesn't make a difference. You know, what mm. I mean, everyone is wiped out, and it just leaves Myrtle like it was going to be. Um, it, I think it would have been nice if she would have survived because she doesn't have to be in the next one. They could have just would have no. been a happier ending, yeah. you know what I mean? But I suppose mm. it it kind of means more. It's more of a driver to him going from five to twenty on the mental scale of wanting to do stuff because he he does yeah. bring um, Danny Glover after this. <clears throat> it's a good kind of indication. I, I like the way he does it. That he's like they've done it now. This is it. They're responsible for this and that. Um, she's dead, uh, Rika's dead, and then Danny Glover takes his badge off and puts it in his drawer as if, like, tonight we're not cops, we're just yes, we're just kill them all. I, I like that, it's really <laughs> powerful message, isn't it? Yeah, I found that a Good really thing. odd conversation to have. It's it's almost like he was phoning him to try and get him to talk him out of it, but he knew he couldn't. And uh, also, a plea to say, Look, I'm gonna go and do this anyway, come and give us a hand, but without actually saying it, yeah. That's how I saw it. Yeah, it's really good. And as you said earlier, Neil, that, or it might have been you, Dan, I'm not too sure, that you see them torturing um, Leo Getz, and he doesn't, and I like the fact that he just doesn't say anything. He gets a real beating by him, but he's not going to mm. talk. He's not going to speak whatsoever. And I think that just makes you like his character even more, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, James said it earlier, but yeah, it does. He's clearly built a relationship, hasn't he, with Riggs and Murtar, and he's not going to give it up for anything, even yeah. though he's been stealing half a billion dollars <laughs> off them and all this sort of stuff. He's like, no, you're not having it. Mm. Yeah, and it works. It's just it's like the bond they've got, and he doesn't talk. Mm. I'm glad they didn't kill him. That would have been a terrible thing, I think, if they would have killed him, because he was... Even though he played a minor part, after following the death of Patsy Kensit, to have someone else die, it, uh, I, I couldn't have taken it. I'd have to turn it off no. to you after that. I, I would have tried. It's too dark. Too dark. For a film that's, you know, it's like we said, it's serious in the sense of the story and everything of what it's trying to talk about. It, you can't. It, they're trying to make light of it. If you start killing off, all right, Patsy's not a massive issue, but. Um, you know, killing off Joe as well. I think you're right, Stu. I think it would have been too much. Yeah, I'd have had to do a pull and watch a Disney film after that. You know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely a, a Lion King moment. Yeah, it, it would have been. Yeah, or a Toy Story and you've yeah. got a friend in me, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but 
But they, they go to the famous house on stilts, and Riggs is, says that he's going to kind of cause a distraction, um, that Myrtle's going to go in there and start taking them out. And he starts pulling, which never would work. The foundations would go down so much that you'd never move it. With a, Honda Jazz, you'd probably move it, but definitely, not with a definitely. massive truck that he's got. Uh, and then it's good scene. I mean, the whole house shakes. I mean, yeah. Myrtle goes in there and takes loads of the baddies out. And I think it's good for Myrtle to do something in the film because he's been a bit static compared to the last one. Yeah, it was all Mel, wasn't it? And yeah, I think it was good. A role reversal rather than Mel rolling around the floor doing lots of, you know, roles. Because I love the fact that he does it a lot. He does it in the first and the second. He's very good at doing roly-polies and shooting people at the same time. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it was nice to see yeah, Murtar actually take over. Yeah, he's good at the action. And I, I just think, uh, in the last one, I'd like to see use Danny Glover more. I mean, I don't know, you, you went on the first one, Jay, but would you, have, would you think Glover's kind of used enough in the action um, parts of this film? Uh, no, but I don't. But I think it's okay. I mean, I mean, it's been it's been stereotypical. He's the older one. He he hasn't quite said I'm too old for this shit yet, all the time. Um, but yeah, he's the one with the family. Riggs has always always been the more physical one, especially especially in this film. And spoiler alert: Danny uh, Danny Glover, he gets the um he he kills the big bad guy at the end, which kind of makes up for it and saves Riggs, doesn't he? Yeah, that's so it kind of balances true. out. But yeah, it's a, it's a good shoot out of the house and the majority of the like the baddies, barring a few henchmen and the the two main um kind of uh, bad guys, they do get taken out and they rescue gets and it's really good. I mean the fact that they built this house on stilts on a um a studio set was incredible and it, it just looks great coming down, just falling to pieces. It looks visually, it's brilliant. Was that so? What you're saying was that wasn't a miniature. That wasn't actual the actual thing coming down. Yeah, they built it on um, a uh, a studio set. Yeah. Oh wow! I did I did not know that. That's really impressive. If that's the case. Uh, yeah. Again, shows the budget, doesn't it? Yeah, it, yeah, it, it does definitely. Like you said, yeah. But um, they realised that. The, the two main baddies have gone to the is it Alvarado the boat isn't yeah. it yeah. and they go there and they find a container um, full of cash and conveniently a car which is with the keys in as well which is also convenient but the screen <laughs> that is convenient isn't it? <laughs> it is yeah I like when Gibson says to Glover that all this money goes go on take it you can use it for good and the fact a couple of seconds that mm. Danny Glover thinks about pocketing that money for his kids yeah. to go to university. I love that. It's just so honest. That's the kind of thing you'd think that no one would know. This money's just been used. It's blood money. And I could use it to get my kids through university. And it's great that he doesn't do it. But it's great that he's tempted as well. Yeah. Sorry, Neil. You're, I literally just about to say the same, same as I was going to. Yeah, no, as you say, it just shows that he's the human side of it, isn't it? It's like, you know, I've never seen, you know, he works God knows how many hours a week to, you know, feed his family and all this sort of stuff. But he's never going to see that amount of money ever. And it, yeah. it, I think anyone would be tempted, wouldn't they? Let's be fair. 
Oh but, yeah, I mean yeah. it's it's stacked full of. I mean, does it, I think he says they're thousand dollar bills. Yeah, he Do does. They get yeah, thousand are they? I mean, you a thousand dollar bill. Oh, God, I've never even heard of that mentioned in any other film. I no. don't think. No, no, right. Thousand, no. Oh, we don't even have. Do we have hundred pound bills in England? No, only fifty. No, fifty pound. Yeah. No. But for them to have a thousand dollar, I mean, I don't know. Would it South? Af- would it? Would it have been South African equivalent of a thousand or not? Or was it American? No, I think it was American money. Ameri- yeah, it's American money. Yeah. Thousand Par- dollar bills. Yeah, but they must have had. They must be real because. I don't know. I mean, it's in this film. Otherwise, I mean, if they had like in I don't know they had a, in the Sweeney, which is a shit film anyway. But if they had like a a twenty five pound note, we'd be like, that's utter nonsense. So it must have a thousand dollar bill. It's, it's just I got I, I googled it. It said the Federal Reserve began yeah. taking high denomination currency out of circulation and destroying large bills received by banks in nineteen sixty nine. As of January the fourteenth. 2020, only 336 $10,000 bills were known to exist, along the along 342 $5,000 bills, and 165,372 remaining $1,000 bills. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yes, they do exist. There you go. On the money. You can imagine going to buy a packet of crisps and you've got $1,000. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I, yeah, yeah, yes, I, I can see you doing that, Stuart, unfortunately. I can see you. I can see you going and get a Kit Kat from like the local off license or something. With a thousand dollar bill. Right, wouldn't it? <laughs> you got change. Got change. You know, you know, I'd do it. I, I'd on my school bus route. The bus drivers were always horrible to us. I would do it for one of them. Thousand <laughs> dollar bill. They get out of this by, um, and it's quite a good trick to be honest. It's kind of very similar. Like the the crate bit reminded me of the A Team film, which. Oh, exactly. that was, oh, God, that was, yeah. 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 Uh, the, the, the car drives out and all the cash, all these $1,000 bills are just in the water. And you think, or they think naively that they're in the car, but they're not. But they abseil down because um, they're trained <laughs> and police to obviously abseil all the time. Um, and then they go through and they both start taking out uh, individually, like the bad guys. And this is where... Kind of, you think, or I thought when I was a, a naive fifteen-year-old lad, that um, Peter Vorstead, he has a fight with Mel Gibson, mm. and and I he kind of it's a good fight, but it ends for me sadly too quick. Gibson gets stabbed in the leg by him pretty quick. Yes. it's not fair otherwise because we know from the Gary Busey fight that Gibson can handle himself, so he has to be kind of handicapped in a way. But it's quite a good fight, but. I would like to see it go on longer. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I, I think I, the lead up to this, there's a massive error in it, which is I found was hilarious. You know, when he's fighting all the bad guys off with just his handgun going through the ship. Yeah. And he has that moment where he's obviously absolutely losing it. And he shoots the yeah. same guy about 15 <laughs> times in the chest. And it's like words are going through his head and all this sort of stuff. And it pans back to the bad guy and he's got loads of holes in him. Then it goes back to Mel and it goes back to the bad guy and his shirt's completely clean. Does <laughs> it? <laughs> yeah, there's not a single hole in it. It's just, and then he just goes up to him and shoots him one more time. And it's, oh, it's, what, it's brilliant. It's like, come on, guys. All that money and you can't even fucking continuity. continuity of someone being shot. But yeah. 
Yeah, I thought the fight scene was brilliant. I really did. It was it, it was very well done. It was it was an interesting though because when he's fighting, um, it, he looked really gangly, didn't he? The um, Derek O'Connor, oh. Peter Vorstead. He looked yeah. really. Well, would that be the stunt stunt double? Maybe. And maybe I don't know, but he just looked really weird. Because you only see him from behind, really, yeah. when he's doing the the more kind of dynamic moves. And when you look at the, because I'm watching, I'm looking at it now as as we're going yeah. through it, he's kind of silhouetted out, and or you see him from behind. So yeah. I, I'd be very surprised. It doesn't look like him whatsoever. No. Which is just, it's just funny. It's just the fact he's he's bouncing around like um, Bruce Lee. It's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it didn't look like that, didn't <laughs> it's, it? The it's all over it. It's like bloody hell. It's a but, weird style of fighting, isn't it? But it's. It's good, and he does get the better of him. And but then obviously Gibson takes him out, and he doesn't do what I thought he would have done. And you think he would have learned from the Gary Busey side of things that to take these people out and kill them, but he doesn't. And I love it that he drops the crate yeah. um, oh. on top of him and just squashes him. What a way to go! It's really, really good. But there was foreshadow of that as well, wasn't there? Because when they abseiled out of the container. There's a massive close-up of that button. Yes. Ah, okay. Yeah, of course. Like, That's going to be used in a bit, and then lo and behold, he drops the container on him. But it was a lovely way to see him go, though. I oh, thought it was, it was nice. Superb. And it's when that you kind of think, right, now you're going to go and see Danny Glover, and now he's going to go and take out Rudd. But it really surprised me. This was in the cinema when I thought he was going to die because Rudd over the shoulder of Glover shoots. Mel Gibson, and you don't know how many times, but he kind of fires about five or six shots off, mm. and he goes down. I honestly thought that was it. You're just going to die. Oh, when you first watched it, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But, yeah, and then that kind of even make, when um, Glover turns around, does his little neck thing, crooks it, and takes one shot in the head, which is really good. As you said, Jay, earlier, he gets his moments mm. to take the bad guy out. But they still bring the element of comedy into uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> where Mel Gibson you think he's going to die I like the bit where he shot him in the head first where he's holding up the thing and he just goes diplomatic immunity and he oh, goes it's so been I like that bit, yeah. and just shoots him in the head diplomatic immunity Just been revoked. It's like, yeah, well done, Matt. Oh, that's brilliant. It's been revoked. I'll write this one up. It's fine. Yeah, try writing that. It'd be well interesting, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> that would be but good. Yeah, so he goes down. They have their little moment together, and you realise that he's actually going to be fine because they've signed contracts for Lethal Weapon 3. Um, <laughs> that they don't have to worry. But And you don't get any... Like unlike the first one, uh, where you get the scene with the family after, you don't get that. The film just ends, don't? Yeah, it? yeah. I, I was, I was, almost, I was almost expecting something like that, and I was really surprised. It just ends far too abruptly. It feels. Yeah, it's it's strange, isn't it? I don't know if they kind of had a different ending to this. I know they had the the alternative ending, and that possibly would have been Riggs at home. Oh, sorry, Murtal at home watching a video. Um, yeah, with the family around him, I guess, because they don't like play a massive part in this either, do they? Compared to the first mm. one. No, no, but, but yeah, so it, it just ends and they've defeated everyone and and that was it. I mean, from this, I mean, 
like I asked last week, who do you think, who won the film? Who was the star of this film? Patsy? Yes. <laughs> in, 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 in that one scene where she's acting. That, yeah, the one so scene she acted yeah. where she wasn't actually doing anything. Um. <laughs> That's what she won the Oscar for in the day. Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely that. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think it's definitely more of a Mel film this time rather than a a duo, if you see yeah. what I mean. I um, tried to see how much they were paid. I couldn't find individually how much they were paid. No. So it would have been interesting. Gibson would have been paid the most, surely. I think after yeah. because this would have been after Mad Max, etc. Obviously, Danny Glover second, I'd imagine. But um, I don't know. I, I mean, you guys were saying Danny Glover was the MVP in the first one, wasn't he? Yeah. More. So I mean, other than the end of the scene, you're probably right. Then you'd probably have to give it to Mel in terms of. I think surely does he get more? It feels like he gets more screen time at the yeah. very least, more action doing stuff against the bad guys' time. You know. Yeah, I think there's a lot of Murtagh or, you know, running around after Mel, isn't there? It's that way round. Yeah, yeah. Riggs goes and does something or takes action, and then Murtagh is always sort of running around after him, trying to help him out or mop up and stuff. So, yeah, I'd, I'd give it to Mel on this one. What do you think then, Stu? No, I think you're right. I think the way it's done, um, I always wonder how this, like the dynamics work on set, that they have set... Uh, especially the action scenes and like the love um, situation that Riggs does have more, he appears to have more airtime, whether he actually does or not, I don't know, but, but it's interesting because they, even already, they couldn't have one without the other. If mm. Danny Glover turned around and said, well, I want equal screen time. I know he's getting paid more, but this is about both of us. But they'd have, surely they'd have to give it to him because they couldn't then put another actor in. I don't know who was around that they could have used back in... Um, like Eddie Murphy, for instance, was big in the 80s. Yeah, but I think he would have been kind of like rejected, especially after the second one, because he's so used to it. And it's very hard. I mean, I think even TV shows, it's very hard to fill someone else's shoes, isn't it? Almost yeah. impossible. And the audience always, nearly always, but not quite sometimes, like kind of rejects that extra character because they think it should have been this person, you know? See, yeah. is it, uh, it, either way, I expect Danny Glover got a, a pretty penny for this film oh absolutely and knowing that there was probably well after they rewrote the script the ending that there was going to be two another two potentially films you know i think he probably realized himself that mel's the bigger actor he's the star star if you see what i mean so i don't think he'd have a massive issue with it to be honest yeah no and did um leo gets did you think he helped this film made the film better or or not really it tied, made the t- story tie together, didn't it? Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it had comedy elements to it. And like like you said, James, you got to really like him, mate, and respect him as a character because mm. he took an absolute pasting, must have a steel jaw. Um, and, you know, you got, to, you got to like him. At first, I have to be honest, when he first appeared, I was like, because obviously yes. I didn't know I didn't know who Jude Pesci was back in back in there. I was like, who the hell is this squeaky voice twat? What's he? You know, are they just trying to add something in? It's, it's like the the old days Jar Jar Binks. What's the fucking point of this guy? But you got to I got to like him. So yeah, I thought he was a good addition 
Yeah, we've got the English version of Joe Pasquale of. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah. I suppose that's a better one than Jar Jar Binks, but yeah. It's like the poor man's Joe Pesci. Joe Pesquale's the poor man's Joe Pesci. Love it. Uh, did you think the film affected at all? Um, minus the hair for, for, for bloody Mel Gibson, but there's lots of mullets, weren't there? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's more mullet than an eighties WrestleMania, wasn't there? But <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, yeah, but I don't think it's. If I'm honest, it's not really. I at no point did I feel, unless you're looking at like the fashion with the Chris class or me, that it was dated. Nothing about this really was dated, other than the obvious stuff, obviously being with like the South African currency, etc. That would have been. But other than that, no, I didn't feel this at all. No, apart yeah, like you said, Jack, apart from the political element of it, there was the backstory of it. They stayed away, like in the first one, from any technology. Yeah. There was there was nothing tying it to its era other than that particular thing. So no, yeah, I mean it's like the first one. You could sit down at any point during this film and just watch it and enjoy it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think the only thing that kind of timestamps it's the apartheid. Um, yeah. And apart, from, yeah, they don't use technology as you say. And it was the same what we said on the last film that they have the luxury of just being a buddy cop film and. I think by now this film had really has got the mantle for the best or the most popular uh, buddy cop film, isn't it? By now, mm, I'd imagine so. Yeah, I think it's great. I mean, the I mean, I'd, James or I don't know who wants to go first, but what's your scores? Best bits, worst bits, and would you recommend it? What do yeah, you think? I'll go four out of five or eight out of ten. Um, best, best. I think the whole film was really good. The, the, uh, the best, I mean, the, the set piece of the action was really good, but I think that the, once again, the this film series lives and dies, I think, on the chemistry between Mel and Danny Glover, and it works really, and it, uh, yeah, and it works really well. Um, the worst bit was, as I, as I mentioned earlier, that decision for Riggs's character to let her go because that was that's one of the few things that almost took me out of the film. Like, what's he doing? He'd never really do that. That's just bad script writing. I don't know why that happened. For me, that was the worst because it still bugs me now uh, after the review. But really, really enjoyed it. Oh, that's great. What about yourself, Neil? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd give this the same. I actually enjoyed this. I, I think, like James said earlier, he enjoyed this more than one. I was erring on the same side. So I'd, I'd definitely give this a strong 8 out of 10 again. Um, best bit, I think the end was just hilarious uh, with the killing of Peter and... Arjun, where he obviously said it's been revoked. I thought that was just top class. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and obviously, you know, the worst bit about this, the accents and Patsy, because she was just awful. <laughs> awful. Yeah. You know, and I know it's not nice to talk about actors in that way, but she just, apart from being very attractive, and I, we can't say that it, she isn't, especially her hair, she didn't. <laughs> she didn't bring any acting prowess to it at all. Apart it from was, that one scene you mentioned, yeah. You, apart you're from right. the one scene where she, I couldn't, I couldn't fall her for it. <laughs> no, I, I have to say I agree with what you both of you say. I, I, I give this an uh, like eight out of ten. Um, I think it's a really, really good film, and I think the the one bit that I always laugh at is when they're in the embassy. And they're trying to sort out, as I said earlier, with Danny Glover going over to South Africa. And when it's pointed <laughs> out that he's black, 
and it's just the, it's just the way the lines delivered is perfect by Joe Pesci. It's absolutely yeah. brilliant. Um, and yeah, Patsy Kenzie and the, the accents. I mean, she's not too bad. It's she's not terrible. I mean, it'd be, it'd be unfair to really slag her off, but it's just uh, the accents is just funny. And there is one line um, when they're at the cabin. And she's talking about Rudd hiding behind his um, diplomatic immunity. And the way she says it, it, it must have taken a few takes. It's so funny, the way she says it. And, uh, but it's just brilliant. But it, it's very, very funny. Rudd's hiding behind his diplomatic credentials, isn't he? What's that? Rudd's hiding behind his diplomatic credentials. And, but it's a great film, and I'd recommend this. Uh, these are just brilliant buddy cop films. They're yeah. so easy going, so easy to watch. They're just super. Yeah. So if you've got an evening or an afternoon or something where you just want to kill a few hours and have a laugh and have a, de- a fairly decent story, these are brilliant. You can just sit down and watch them, and you do get involved in it. You don't sit there going, oh, you don't start looking at the clock or looking out the window. You are drawn into what they're doing. Yeah, it's just brilliant. Yeah. So, but yeah, folks, that was our review of uh, 1989 Lethal Weapon 2. We will be um, doing Lethal Weapon 3 next. James, when are you, are you next available for the next one? Uh, next Wednesday. I can only not do one Wednesday in three when I'm doing a late shift work. Fantastic. So. so next Wednesday will be Lethal Weapon 3. And you don't have to be clairvoyant to say that. It will start to go downhill a bit, but they're still very close. <laughs> 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 we'll see. We shall see. Maybe. We shall. Maybe. We shall. Excellent. Well, that's great. And don't forget, before we go, obviously the YouTube channel as well. I, I keep forgetting about that. Uh, thanks to everyone who's subscribed, leave their comments. Um, we've got The Mandalorian. We've got Cobra Kai. We've got WandaVision. Um, we've got Would You Rather. We've got caliber non-spoilers the shield is so much on there uh and it's great fun doing it i'm going to do another one very soon i wasn't going to do lethal weapon but we're doing it now so it saves me loads of time but thanks for everyone who's kind of got involved with that it's absolutely brilliant and if you could subscribe that would be amazing so that is it that's just my plug so that's great so that's lethal weapon i hope you enjoyed that thanks ever so much for listening and we will see you or we'll be in your ears next week. Thank you very, very much. Bye-bye. Bye.